Uh, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go, with, go ahead and turn with me uh, to Judges. We're going to be in Judges uh, chapter 13, uh, 14, 15, and 16 these next few weeks. And I want to encourage you, uh, maybe you don't have a daily Bible study, maybe you don't spend a lot of time in God's Word. I want to give you something for the next few weeks to really kind of gnaw on, to really chew on, to really dive into. And that's the story of Samson. Again, so I want to encourage you, for the, uh, whether you read it once a day or whatever it looks like, but looking at Gen- I mean, Judges 13, 14, uh, 15, and 16. And, and man, i got to be up front with you this morning. I'm going to be speaking um, more specifically to you than I am the women this morning. Give me an amen, women, all right? Um, but it's going to be something that I pray, ladies, that we encourage the men around us. I pray, as, as maybe some of you are married, I pray that you would encourage uh, your husband, maybe you are dating, that you would encourage uh, that good-looking man that you are involved with, or, or maybe you're just a single man. My prayer is, is that God would use the story of Samson for you to reflect your life and say, you know what, that's the kind of man that sometimes I don't want to be and sometimes I do want to be, because Samson had the ups and downs. If you know the story of Samson, it's not the prettiest story in the Bible. And one thing I love about the Bible is it's just authentic stories. It's like there's no way that can be made up. I mean, there is the good, the bad, the ugly, but there is a God who revolves around all the stories in in God's Word, and He is the one who loves and, and wants to redeem us, and He wants to restore us in Christ Jesus. So to start off, man, I just want to ask you a question. I, I, not a question, I'm going to make a statement to you this morning, is, is there's two kind of movies, all right? And if you agree with me at the end, I just want you to give me a hoorah at the end, all right? There's two kind of movies. There's, there's chick flicks, and then there's good movies. Amen, guys? There's two kind of movies. There are chick flicks, and then there's good movies, all right? Amen, brothers? All right? I have no idea that it retained anything that we're talking about this morning. I just wanted to say that, okay? I don't know why. So, but here's the thing. I believe, here's the thing. Here's my heart. And I believe the reason, maybe even, that our guest speaker wasn't here this morning because this has been so much on my heart. This has been so much on many of your hearts, even as men, because I've had conversations with you about this of what does it look like to be a godly man? You see, God's Word, even in in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, all through time, God has been looking for godly men who would stand in the gap and who will be obedient to His Word. And and in Ezekiel, that's going to be kind of the foundation of what we're going to be looking at. It says, I look for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. On behalf of the land, and so I would not have to destroy it. And it says that I look for such a man, and this is what God's Word says, I found none. I found none. Now, now none means none. That means zero, not a, not, not one man God can look around in the nation of Israel at that time and see a God-fearing man who was willing, listen to this, who was willing to make choices, sometimes difficult choices, to lead his family in a way that honors God. So, men, I want to encourage you these next few weeks. I'm praying that God stirs, I'm praying that God stirs my heart in such a way because I can promise you many of these things we're going to be talking about, I struggle with myself. Many of these things that God needs to be convicting me as well as your pastor, that there's some things in my life that I need to, I need to get right and I need to confess to God because I believe God wants to raise up many of you 
I know He does, to bring glory to His name. I believe that over the next three weeks, God is going to do something awesome in the lives of our men, because gentlemen, within you, if you are a Christ follower, there is potential of supernatural greatness. And if you'll make a commitment over the next few weeks to be in God's presence, hearing His Word, I believe God is going to raise up some spiritual leaders that will make a tremendous difference in this church, in this community, and in this world. To get us started this morning, we're going to be... I want to just give you an overview of Judges chapter 13. And we've talked about this many times in the Old Testament that it seemed like the people of Israel were in a cycle in their life. Some might call it the crazy cycle. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you can't get off of that crazy cycle. It's like you continue to make the same decisions that you made a year ago even though you've been praying about it or, or maybe whatever the situation is and we find ourselves doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And that's where the people of Israel were during that time. And what would happen in the Old Testament is as God would give them into the hands of their enemies. And during this time, they were, they were in the hands of the Philistines. Now, you might know the Philistines' people because just after this, when King David was around, remember that real short dude, Goliath? You remember that story? You know, with the, with the rocks? He was a Philistine. So I, do, I want you to get a, a picture of what's going on here because we know a little bit about the Philistine people and they were very much ungodly people. They didn't care about the things of God. And so God allowed the Israelites, because of their choices, because of their sinful choices, He gave them into the hands of the Philistines and they had been in captivity for years and years and years and years and years. And then one day, the people of Israel came to their senses and said, you know what? God, we do confess. We do want to turn our lives around and we do want to honor you not only as individuals but as a nation. And so as God does, He looks around and He's looking for men, He's looking for women who will stand in the gap, He's looking for people who will be raised up, who will be obedient to His calling. Isn't that interesting all through Scripture God uses His people to do that? Think about it. Think about Moses, think about Paul, think about Peter, think about all of these men and all of these women that God raises up because they have a heart, they have a desire to honor God, to follow God with all that they are. And here's the thing about Samson. Samson was incredibly strong. I know some of you guys in here are like, yeah, he ain't got nothing on me. No, like Samson was strong. Incredibly strong. We'll see here in chapter 16 how strong he actually was. But the, but the hand of God was on Samson, even as a child. Because in chapter 13... It says that God was wanting to restore His people. He comes to a couple who they were unable to conceive is what God's Word says. And it says the hand of God came on them and Samson was born and from the day he was born, God's hand was on him because God knew the plans He had for Samson and He wanted to use him in such a mighty way. But the problem with Samson and the problem with me and the problem with you many times is is Samson had a strong will. Any brothers out here got strong will? I've got this. I don't need your help. I've got, I am strong enough to overcome this. I don't need help with this. 
I'm going to do whatever I want to. I don't care what takes place because I'm a man. I'm a man and I can and I'm strong. And the thing about Samson, he had that same understanding because Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And that will got him in a lot of difficult situations. His own desires got him in a lot of predicaments. Just like some of us this morning. So if you got your Bibles, turn over to chapter 14. During the chapter 13, God says to Samson and his family that I want you to live by a vow. Might be somewhat like when you get married, you take vows that you are going to live under the according of what this looks like, that I'll never leave you, never forsake you, that we'll always be one. And, and there's a thing called the Nazarite vow, all right? You're thinking like, what is that? Numbers chapter 6 talks all about it, all right? We don't have time to kind of dive into that because that's not really what we're focusing on this morning. But, but God told Samson and his family, I want you to live by a higher standard. I want you to live above reproach. And here's some things that I want you to do. It's like when a child gets in trouble. I know you never have kids that make bad decisions and they get in trouble. And it's kind of like they have these parameters and they're like, okay, you continue to make bad decisions. Now we're going to kind of bring the parameters in. You know what I'm talking about? Like kids, like, you know, no cell phone for a week. And you're like, oh, come on. Or, or whatever it might be. It's like, no, I'm going to take that away because you continue to make bad choices. And that's what's happening here is because God knew that they couldn't handle the parameters in which they were living. They were taking advantage of that, so he sets in stone, here's what I want you to do, Samson and your family. I want you to live above reproach. And these things that you're doing, they're not supposedly, they're not sins, but I want you to live your lives according to this so that when people see you, you look different. You look different. And so here's what... It said, the first thing God says, no alcohol. You're like, some of you are like, whoa, God's word doesn't say anything about not drinking alcohol. Here's what's happening during that time. The people were abusing the freedom that they had. Alcohol had become a substance abuse, literally, in the life of Israel. And so here's what God said. I don't want it to even touch your lips at all because I can promise you that if it doesn't touch your lips, it will not be a stumbling block in your life. Because God knew they couldn't handle it. It was something that was controlling their lives. It was literally a substance. They had substituted that for God in their lives. So he goes, I want you to completely abstain from it. I know some of you are like, come on. But that was else what God asked him to do. Absolutely no alcohol whatsoever. The second thing he said is, don't touch anything dead. Now you're like, what's up with that? All right. It's a pretty cool story. Again, I don't have time to dive into that, but that was the second thing he asked. Don't touch anything dead. You're like, what if I have gloves on? Does that count? You know, is it, is it flesh on birth? Like, what's the deal here for those hunters? All right. He says, don't touch anything dead. And the third thing he said was, Don't get your hair cut. He says, let it grow long, all right? Here's what I can promise you about Samson's hair. It was not a mullet, 
all right? Because mullets are sinful. I'm totally kidding, all right? All right? It was not a Gundy haircut, all right? I don't know what kind of hair. I don't know if it was a ponytail. I don't know if it was dreadlocks. I don't know, but I just know it wasn't a mullet, all right? He had long hair, and you're like, what's up with the long hair? I've got a wedding ring on my finger. Many of you do. And this represents, honestly, there's not much to it at all, but this represents that I am committed to my wife, Christy. Again, there's nothing in this ring. This is, this is a representation of a vow that I took years ago that I will be faithful to her and to her alone. And so the long hair, all right, during this time represented a vow that Samson and his family took that, you know what, we want to live above reproach. We know that the way we're living right now is not working. And some of you are right there like, like something's not working because I keep getting on that crazy cycle and I can't get off. The same things keep happening in my life, the same sins, the same temptations. And as we've said this many times, you keep doing the same thing. They call that crazy. They call that lunatic, all right? Like the same cycle again and again. You've got to choose something different. And so God says, I want you to let the, let the hair go. Some of our men this morning have vowed the Levitical vows in their life this morning, all right? They got the long hair and I'm loving it, all right? Me, not so much, all right? And so we see with all of this greatness, God's hand is on Samson from the very beginning. God's strength is with him. So much so that when God's spirit came upon him, when God's strength would come on him, he could rip a lion apart. And yet with all of this God-given potential, his weak will got him into trouble time and time and time Again, so we're going to look at three things real quickly in God's Word here. that The choices that Samson made, the things that got him into trouble. And the first thing we're going to see here, Judges chapter 14. Let's read that together. It says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. I want to stop there just for a second. You're like, Timnah, yeah, no, no. That was enemy territory. That was a place they were not supposed to go as Israelites. They were not supposed to go into any territory. They were not supposed to associate with them. They were not supposed to marry them. And these, these boundaries were set in place. So Samson, he leaves his hometown and he goes a couple miles down the road. He leaves Zorah and he travels down to Timnah. And he's looking for something. And the first thing we're going to write down here is, is, is these attitudes that make strong men weak. Here's what's happening in this story here. You guys ever heard of a, of a word called lust? You see, we, we think lust is always, let's just throw it out there, we think it's always a sexual thing, you know, between a, between a man and a woman or whatever it might look like is, is, is lust can go a lot further than that. Some of us can lust over a job, some of us can lust over a home, and what lust is, is something that captivates our hearts, and we won't stop until we get it. And we don't care what happens along the way. You see, lust will always, 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 always lead to destruction. 
Because what happens when we start lusting after things, lady, we're just as vulnerable as men are, all right? Let's, let's bring it in a little bit. When lust captivates our hearts, we pursue things, we lose logic. Guys, you've ever been there before, honestly? Like you're just like, you were so goo-goo-eyed over this or that, you don't even care. You don't care what mom says. You don't care what dad says. You don't care what your friends say. You don't care what God says. Is you think you are in love with this and you will do whatever you can to obtain it. That was a stumbling block in the life of Samson. We're going to see this repeated multiple times in his life. But he goes down to Timnah because he's looking for something and we see here, He's looking for a young Philistine woman. Let's keep going in verse 2. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. <laughs> now get her for me as my wife. Don't you, what, what, I wish it was that easy. You know what I mean? Like, I want her. Or I want, I want make him my whatever. Some of your ladies are like, that would be awesome. You know what I mean? That would, that would be awesome because there's this one guy, let me tell you about him, like, he is so good looking. I mean, like at lunch, he, he looked at me on Friday for the first, like, I felt like I felt something. I felt like I can imagine what's going to take place. And let's be honest, we're, sometimes we're dreaming a little bit. But that lust starts taking place in our lives. That's the seed. You see, Samson knew the Old Testament law. You should not intermarry with those who do not worship me. And that's what was going on in the time there. That's why God set up these standards, just like in 2 Corinthians 6.14 for us. Do not be unequally yoked. There's a reason for that. There's a reason God puts these standards in our lives. It's not because he wants to take out all the fun. He just he wants to keep you from destruction. He wants to keep you from heartache. Why? Because he loves you and he adores you. And some of you are sitting right now and you've got a testimony of God restoring that. And God is a God of restoration. And he's a God of first chances and second chances and third chances. So maybe you're finding yourself right now like, I'm feeling the effects of my bad choices. I want you to know God is a God of redemption. Samson allowed lust to take him to a place that would lead to destruction. And it's like someone today might justify their desire to not care about a relationship with someone who doesn't know Christ because they trust some good will will come out of it, such as their non-Christian partner eventually coming to Jesus. And things might work out that way, but even though God used Samson's marriage to a Philistine woman, it all came at a great personal cost to Samson. No matter how much good God can bring out of even the bad things we do, He can always bring far more good out of our obedience. And we ourselves experience a lot less pain. So over and over and over again, we see lust making strong men weak. The second thing we see is a spirit of entitlement. Not only do we want it, but we believe that we deserve it. I work hard and I deserve it. 
I've been slaving away. I deserve it. I put up with her or I put up with him and I deserve it. I feel neglected and I deserve it. I feel in love and I deserve it. Whatever you know, I deserve this. So not only do we allow lust to, to bring us or take us down to a road, then we start justifying, well, yeah, I, I deserve this. I'm a man and I'm strong and I can deal with it. I'm going to make my own choices because I deserve it. I, mean, I slave away every week and I go to work and I provide for my family and, and my wife is not loving me or, or God hasn't brought me Mrs. Perfect or Mrs. Right and I am justified. And we start getting down that road, that dangerous, slippery slope that we all know what that looks like. But all logic is out the door because we don't care. Because we are allowing those things to control us in such a way that it takes us away from leading or going down the path of righteousness. Verse 5, let's keep reading there. It says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother as they approached the vineyards of Timnah Suddenly, a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. That is so manly. And they're like, man, that is awesome. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. I mean, it wasn't even a thing for Samson. This is, how, this is how strong and how manly Samson was. I mean, he's just kind of like... I mean, this is a lion. You ever been around a lion before? Anybody ever, everybody ever seen one face-to-face with no, like, glass? Several years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Zambia, Africa. Got to go and preach in some villages. It's been an incredible experience. And, and, and one night, all right, which I'm not sure why we went at night... We go on a safari, and we start going out, and you know, there's, you know, one guy's got like a little pop cannon here. I mean, it's not going to take down a lion, I can promise you that, all right? And it's an open-air jeep, and there's like these benches, all right? You know, some of them have like enclosed, and you can look at, no, this one had nothing, all right? Like no side rails, like you're open-air, it's night, and at night lions hunt, if you didn't know that. And so we're, we're driving, and, 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 the, and the African guy, he's like, oh, be very, very quiet, you know, be very quiet. Here's some lions coming, and we're like, whoa. And I am not kidding here, all right? I am sitting on the end of the Jeep here, and a female lion, all right, you know the females do the hunting because the guys, I guess, are lazy, I don't know what it is, but the females do the hunting, maybe they're just better at it, I don't know what it is. There's this lion that, if I would have reached down, I could have petted that lion, I'm, I'm not kidding. Granted, she could care less that I'm there because she's prowling and she's hunting, but it scared me to death. Let's just say that. I moved from, from this seat, all right, and I started shifting over because I was in the presence of something that I knew could just rip me apart just like that. So I want you to get this understanding. Here's Samson. He's like, ah, eh, no big deal. Keeps going, walks down. He's like, yeah, I like that woman. No, but it doesn't tell anybody. I mean, that's awesome. That's a man right there. That's cocky. I kind of like that a little bit, all right? Story keeps going. Verse 8, sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look 
at the lion's carcass. I mean, you can imagine, you know, just thinking to himself like, uh-huh, yep. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. Now, I'm going to stop there just for a moment. What were the three things that God told him to vow that you can't do? The first thing was no alcohol. The second thing is, is don't touch anything dead. Remember that? And then the third thing is, is don't touch those dreadlocks. All right, let them flow. And so let's, let's keep going here. He scooped out the honey. You're like, surely he had some gloves on, something, maybe a, something there, all right? With his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some. So, so not only is he doing something that he knows he shouldn't be doing, that he vowed that he would not do, He's bringing other people on it. It's kind of like the Adam and Eve story, you know. It was all Eve's fault, but she brought Adam in. What was she thinking? I'm totally kidding, all right? But it's that same mentality. You know, if I'm going to do it, you know, I want at least other people to go down with me. Anybody been there before? Like, if I'm getting in trouble, you're getting in trouble too. It's easier as a group. He did it. She did it. Then you can point fingers. But when it's just you, you, I mean, you really don't have anything to stand on. He scoops this out, and it says he gave some to his mom and his dad. What a respect level there. You know, hey, mom and dad, you know. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcasses. First thing, that's just nasty. Anybody else? I mean, guys can be dirty sometimes. You know what I mean? Guys, let me give you an example, all right? You ever throw your dirty clothes on the floor? You're like, yeah, my room's full of them. How do you know if it's dirty or not? What do you do, guys? I'm not, yeah, yeah. They're like, "Uh uh-huh. You know you've all done it before. Like, well, let's just turn them inside out. We don't really care. That's just the guy's mentality there. Doesn't smell too bad, but I'm just going to keep on wearing them, buddy. These jeans have hit 14 days, 15 surely, you know what I mean, until they start rotting on me. Samson didn't care, but he's like, man, a dead carcass, man, that's awesome. Here's the thing. That's the way God created men. Many women are different, amen? They just are. Thank you, Lord, they are different. Thank you for women to keep us on our toes and to tell us what's right and wrong and to direct us and to tell us you need to wash your hands after you test that that dead carcass. He wasn't supposed to touch something dead. The same God that gave him the power to rip apart the lion, he betrays. He betrays a vow to the God who had blessed him. And for what? Think about that. For what? For a handful of honey. Let's put that into retrospective for our lives here. You know, we think about this and we think, you know, who would be foolish enough to do that for a handful of honey? Who, who would be foolish enough to make that choice when they made that vow to God or that person? Who would be foolish enough to do that? Let's be honest, a lot of people. 
You see, and the reason that we get ourselves in these situations and those vows we stop caring about because we start allowing the lust of whatever that is and we allow, we start going down that road because we want it. We want it and we're going to get it and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to pursue that until I can obtain that. And when we start having that understanding in our lives, all logic goes out the door. All understanding of allowing people to speak into our lives, godly people who love us, looking at God's Word, we, don't, we, we want to run from those, don't we? We do. We want to get away from everything that's holy because we don't want that condemnation, do we? We don't, we don't want the Holy Spirit convicting me because I want it. And then we get to the point where we justify and say, I deserve it. I deserve it. The third thing that we see that the attitude that makes strong men weak, the first thing lust, the second thing entitlement, the third thing is pride. Verse 10. It says, Now his father went down to see this woman... And they're planning a wedding, is what's taking place here. And if we keep going, it says, And there Samson held a feast, as was customary for young men. Now, the translation here doesn't really do this justified here. It doesn't give us justification here, alright? Because if you go back and look at the Old Testament... All right. If you look at the Hebrew language, the word for feast here is a word called mishta. Now that word mishta, it's, it's not just a, um, a time to kind of get together and eat some hors d'oeuvres. It's not like, you know, let's order the pizza and hang out. Mishta means a drinking party, is what, is what it actually literally translates. Alright, go look it up. So, he already threw one thing out the door, which was what? He, he's already touched a dead animal. And now he's like, you know what, man, it's... It's justified. I'm about to get married. Let's, let's bring on my brothers. Let's bring on my friends. And he says, let's have a, a huge drinking party here. That, that's exactly what is taking place here. A mishta. Knowing that God has already told him to sustain from that. Now, I know what happens many times, what's justified. Like, I mean, this is the perfect place to do that. Like, everybody else is doing it. And, we, and our response is, is what's the big deal? There's no harm in that. And honestly, our response might be right. There might not be any, any, any harm in that. But here's the thing. When we make a vow before God, and when we choose to step outside of that, it means a lot. You see, God can't be a part of that any longer. God can't bless that. And so He steps outside of the parameters, and He says, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway because I am a strong man and I want it. I deserve it. And then we get to the point where I can handle it. I wonder if we could go back on life and kind of take those words back. How many times we might have changed the direction of our lives? 
How many times we would have made different choices with different outcomes? Because honestly, life is just a bunch of choices that we make every single day. So literally the choices that we make today will affect tomorrow and so on and so on. And I don't know what it would be for us this morning. It could be a number of things, but all of us know someone with such great potential who thinks, I want a drink or a bottle or a pill or a smoke or a look or whatever it is and I deserve it and I can handle it. And before long, a substance handles him. We know again and again someone who says, I want the boat, I want the car, I want the toy, I deserve it, I can handle the payments. And before long, he's drowning in a sea of financial debt and feeling like he cannot get out. I want to look. I want to have her stay. I deserve a little this or that. I don't care if I'm breaking my vows. I don't care if God desires for me not to be doing this. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. And the sad part is, is we justify it by saying, well, everyone else is doing it. And to take it a step further, most of the people I go to church with are doing it as well. You see, if you fast forward to the end of Samson's life, we're going to see perhaps the strongest man who ever lived, who from birth had God's hand upon him, God's Spirit strengthening him. And we're going to see this man with his eyes gouged out, nothing but dark sockets. We're going to see the strongest man who ever lived bound with his prized hair cut. We're going to see him in front of 3,000 of his enemies in a coliseum, And he is the entertainment as they mock him, and he is the total laughingstock. And that is what lust, entitlement, pride can do to a man who should have made a difference in this world. It takes him down. You might be saying, Brandon, is is my my eyes going to be gouged out here any day soon? Probably not. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It could be a lot worse than that. It could be a lot worse than that. You see, you might find yourself in your 40s or your 50s or your 60s living out, chasing these things that lead to destruction and you have nothing but regret and remorse in your life. You might be at that age and you might be where at Christmas time your kids don't want to be around you because they have no respect for you because of some of the choices that you have made in your life. You might have a hard time getting a job because of the consequences of your over and over and over again. You're living in your absolute desperation trying to figure out how did this take place in my life. But I just want to tell you this morning, it does not have to go down that way. You see, we're not going to leave this sermon with like, you know, don't you feel better now, guys? You're like, I already knew those things, and we did already know those things. We did, because we struggle with them every single day. And the problem is, is we struggle with them every single day, and nobody knows about it. 
You see, I know some men in here right now who are struggling with lust in such a way that it is, it is starting to destroy them through pornography and some other things in their lives. Nobody knows about it. But God's Word says you need to confess your sins one to another. And then I will start renewing and I will start restoring you. Somehow we've gotten to a place where we don't want to tell anybody anything. We're going we're to stay closed shut and we do life and we're miserable. And God says, no, I want you to do life together. I want you to carry each other's burdens. That's what the church is for. Very quickly as we close. Men specifically, I want, to give you, I want to give you three quick things when these things start coming to your mind and your thoughts. The first thing is, is when God's Word says that to hold that thought captive, what that means is, is when that thought of lust starts coming into your mind and you want to start picking up your phone and you want to start looking and having wondering eyes, is what God's Word says in 1 Peter, that we should not be about. When you start seeing those, that you would allow God, God, hold this thought captive. Do not let me act on it. You see, the sin is not the thought because the thoughts will keep coming because that's Satan's job. Because he wants to take you down. When it becomes a sin is when we start acting on that thought in our lives that always, 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 always leads to destruction. When that thought comes, you say, God, I don't want that, I want you. Vocally. God, God I need you, I want you. You see, you're totally switching the tables here. You're not allowing that slippery slope to take place in our lives. Right there, you make up your mind. When this takes place, God, I want you. First and foremost, think first, I want you. I want you. The second thing is, rather than saying you deserve it, start thinking about, you know what? No, I deserve death. I don't deserve anything. God, because I want you, I want your holiness in my life, and I deserve death, but because of what Jesus has done and the grace that has been displayed on that cross, I don't deserve anything, but I'm thankful for your grace in my life. You see, what happens when we start understanding that, when we start taking that to heart, it brings humility in our lives. That's what the gospel message does. It changes us. It changes our thoughts, it changes our hearts, and it allows us, gives us the strength to choose differently. It allows us to strength, the strength to go down a different path, maybe a different path that you've never been down before. God, I want you. God, I deserve death, but I am thankful for your grace. And the third thing, you're going to say, when I can handle this, you're going to say, God, I can't handle this. You see, our, our society has somehow gotten to the point where men can handle anything. When you say you're weak, that's not cool. If you can't rip a lion's head off, that's not cool. I'm scared to death of lions, all right? But God says, I am in the business of making weak Men strong. You see, for some of us right now, we've, we're struggling with that. Men and women, we're struggling because we continue. We can do it ourselves. I have the strength. I have the power. No, we don't. 
We don't. The outcome will always be the same. And some of us, we know that in our minds, but it hasn't connected to our hearts, and we don't know how to get off the crazy cycle. I want God. I deserve death. Thank you, God, for your grace. And the third thing is, is God, I am weak. Make me strong. 